This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two on a rainy kind of Friday. It's Boomer along with Ryan Pinder here in the downtown studios. We will go to Carolina in hour three. Chip Alexander with the uh, Raleigh News and Observer offseason for the Canes. Another great regular season, contending for a division and conference title. Just need to win a road game. And then That's all they had to do. Couldn't find a way to win on the road. So we'll talk to Chip. Mason Trafford, Cavalry FC, El Capitan will join us. Yeah, they got uh, FC Edmonton this weekend. It's their pride game as well. Should be a great crowd. Let's get some weather. Let's go. And uh, right now to kick off hour number two, it's our pal Stephen Brunt. Uh, Stephen, good morning. How are you? I'm uh, I'm very well, sir. How are you doing? Well, we're good. Sorry about the, the getting to you late again. I we feel like it just should be seven ten in your no, calendar. So I don't know. We had a lot of bird sound effects we needed to get through to get through the Pinder report. <laughs> very busy night in the NBA draft. Yeah. Well, Chet Holmgren went second. Well, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a tight schedule out here. So oh dear, it's, yeah. this really is throwing every, it's throwing everything off. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to catch up with my with my day. Right. Egad. <laughs> What I liked about Pinder with the uh, the NBA draft, it it almost felt like he was reading those names for the first time, like no, just kind of cold no, no, as, no, 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 no. as if he didn't watch <laughs> intently last night and just uh, you know cut and cut and paste some. Uh, I'll have you know, Christian Coloco is from the same uh, part of the world as Pascal Siakam. There's okay. a tie in there. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Not just the same, not just the same part of the world, the same town. The, there, that would be the same part of They're the world, like wouldn't it? Names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So I same. did. See, Dean. Same part of the world. Dean. They're, they're neighbors, which would be the, the same, same part, part of the world. They're brothers. See, brothers <laughs> yeah. grow in the same place <laughs> in the world. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know. Uh, there's a picture on uh, online this morning, the social media. The Stanley Cup has its own Twitter account. And, uh, 2022. Yeah. And the cup is laying in bed. It's got the covers up, but it just says, good morning. And it's always, I guess, it, I guess it's like the Super Bowl, but it's a little different here because you don't know if it's coming out tonight, but it's in the building. And I know mm-hmm. from a fan's perspective, and I think there's a lot in 2004, Stanley Cup final game six at the dome, you could you could you really you could almost feel it. It's in the house tonight. It might be coming out of the case tonight. That is a real unique kind of energy in sports when it comes to the championship trophy, and it's going to be there tonight. That's going to be wild. It's always fun. I yeah, it is. I I also love the fact that the boys from the Hockey Hall of Fame that they they get there. Well, they're in TV commercials now, right? So they're. You know, they used to be just kind of anonymous, but now this is their big TV moment, right? That's because right. they get to walk, wear the little white gloves, and mm-hmm. and and walk out with it. And you know, it's not it's not just another trophy. I think that's that that's actually true. That you know, if you look at the other trophies in sport, you know, the the Lombardi Trophy was you know commissioned from uh, who was it that made that? Uh, you know, one of the famous jewelers made that uh, World Series trophy is a modern trophy. Um, the NBA, the Larry OB is kind of a modern looking trophy, but this one, it's you know the the original still got the dents in it. You know it's been kicked around, and uh, I I think that's one of the things that you know in in kind of hockey lore and myth, it's one of the things that's actually true that this the Stanley Cup is different. It uh, and that sense that 
you know, passing it from hand to hand, from team to team for decades and decades is kind of special. And I would think for Tampa, they the majority of those guys know what it's like to win it and how great that feeling is and maybe to win it back to back, to know that it's in the house and how much fun you've had with it. To, it's fresh in your memory, what it means to lift that thing. That's not always the case either, where you're dying to keep that thing in its box for you know, for a few more, let's five, six days. If we could just keep that thing tucked away, that would be great. I, I, not that they need incentive or or any more reason to be to be nervous down three to one, but they know exactly the good times and what is up for grabs if they can't win tonight. Yeah, no, that's it's true. And boy, I, I got to say, I've you know, like, what do I know? But I've I have gone back and I I thought after game three when Tampa won that game at home and felt kind of like they kind of took control, even though they were down 2-1. I thought, okay, here we go. The guys who've done it the last two years, they know how to do it. They came back from 0-2 against the Rangers. They are beaten up and all of those things. But this is this is a moment where they show the avalanche kind of, you know, how, how Stanley Cups are won. And then they score, what, 30-something seconds into the into game four. And you go, well, here we go. It's going to be 2-2 going back to Colorado. The abs are going to be terrified and of losing this thing and the other guys are going to say well this is how the script works we know because we've been through this the last two years but boy what a what a pivot in that game and you know the the, the whole controversy thing aside which is a different discussion but you know full credit to the abs coming back to even the way they came back from that first goal in the first period when that's when you kind of feel like things might have fallen apart and they didn't you know they, they've played with they're they're really good obviously they're the best team in the league all season but you know the fact that they they had the ability to do that on away ice against the the two time defending Stanley Cup champions and kind of reclaim that game and you know even though you can argue about the extra men on the ice which you know is an advantage especially if he scores um, they they were all over Tampa in overtime right they 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 deserved it they deserved to win that game um, it's and I, I think what we're going to be talking about at the end of this is you know obviously the like it feels like the torch is about to be passed but. You know, Tampa's won 11 playoff series in a row. They're going to have a hard time winning 12. You know, once upon a time, the New York Islanders won 19 playoff series in a row. You know, losing in the final to the to the Oilers and the in the the trying to win the fifth straight. And you know, if you look at their history before that, like they could have won seven, maybe potentially eight. But are we ever going to see a team win 11 playoff series in a row again in the in the in the cat era? Like, I I don't think so. We never thought we would. It was going to nope. be too hard to do anyway. The Penguins with Sid and Malkin and Latang were going to do it, and you know even the Red Wings back, like Chicago couldn't do it, LA didn't do it. Like this is way this is impossible in a cap era. Yeah, like you can tell, you're right. Like those are all great. You know those are the those are quote unquote dynasties yeah. in the in the modern era. Like you know Chicago won what three and three and six, six years or whatever yep. it was, and two and three yeah, for that's, for LA. Yeah, but they had to take a year off in between. Yep. They couldn't they couldn't pull it off in between this. You know, so this accomplishment in this era, you know, never mind playing through the weirdness of the pandemic and bubble games and all of that stuff that they had to do. And I, I, I think this is this is a historically great run. Um, I, like, I'm not saying you put them up against the Islanders or up against the Oilers or up against the you know, 1970s Montreal Canadiens. Like, it's kind of hard. But in in the 21st century, I'm not sure we're going to see much better than this. And we're looking at a team right now, and I know we were we talked about it in round one when they were against the Leafs, and it was you know, they're just too tired. It's been too much hockey over the last two plus calendar years. It's just finally caught up to them, and now here they are three rounds later. 
But watching that game the other night, the shot blocks, Chernak leaves, doesn't mm. come back. They're without Braden Point. Sorelli goes down, gets a skate cut. McDonough is laboring heavily. They look now like they are re- they are so beat up. How do they, you know? How do they, how do you possibly come back? Even if you were healthy against Colorado, it, it would be a fight. I just don't know how they have it's enough left. Be in the- Vasilevsky. I don't see other, any that's other it. way. Only yeah. way. Like he's, if he's just a brick wall and they, you get zero goals, okay. Now that, that try doing that three times in a row. That's the that is the hundred percent the only answer. That you, yeah, you're gonna you got to win three in a row um, against a team that is looks fresher, is younger and faster, and. Um, is feeling pretty confident right now. I'm thinking, um, and can and is deep, and so yeah, you would need all world goaltending, you know, to kind of get you back into the series, and then yeah, if you can push it to a game seven, then all bets are off. But boy, that's it's this this the tonight seems like a pretty big hill to climb. Let's start with that. Staying in the NHL, but not the Stanley Cup final. Massive development for the Ottawa Senators in the last few days. Rather than uh, the late Eugene Melnick uh, talking about another rink in Canada, which has already been a logistical nightmare, uh, this is finally happening in the area that they originally wanted to, but lawsuits and all the other Eugene things got in the way. Uh, What does this mean for the Sens, and what can you tell us about the project? Well, it's it, the, in terms of the project, it's, it's essentially downtown in Ottawa. It's on transit. It's right downtown. It's where you would want to build a rink, and there's a big other development. This, but there, this is just the rink. This is not the whole LeBreton Flats thing. That's still, um, but this is what always made sense. If you know, Canada never made sense from day one, and the, you know the whole kind of checkered history of the Senators is you know why it wound up out in Canada. But this, yeah, there was. There's always been really compelling logic to put the rink as part of this development. The, the, the fly in the ointment was, and again, I haven't, I know people don't want to say it, but was Eugene, you know, it's, this would not have happened if he was still alive. I, I just think there's every reason to believe that, that, that he was the impediment and that he couldn't get along with, you know, you, you, he, they were, they need partners in this endeavor and they need to kind of play the Paul the local politics and, uh, Every time it seemed close, it blew up and people ended up suing each other. And I, you know, and suddenly everybody seems happy in the log and they're draw, they've drawn the logical conclusions and they're going to proceed. Well, what's the difference? You know, I think the difference is, is pretty obvious. And if they, you know, if they get this done, then the whole, any talk about the senators, you know, like I'm not, I'm still not sure what that whole Quebec city thing was about and you know, who floated that and why they floated that. But there won't be any discussion about the team relocating. Uh, it, it's a better situation than, you know, would be a better situation than a lot of situations in the NHL. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, it'll be easier for them to sell tickets. They've, you know, they still got it. Ottawa's not an automatic place for filling a building because it's a government town and you, you don't, you know, a lot of those kind of, you know, the businesses that buy season's tickets, well, government doesn't buy season's tickets. So it's you have to hand sell a lot more tickets in Ottawa than you do in a lot of other markets the same size, Canadian markets. But I, I would think if it's, you know, if it's right there and you don't have to drive an hour through traffic and drive an hour home through traffic and um, go to a place where, you know, after the game you can drive around the closed Home Depot, but there's not much else to do. I think this this could kind of work. Um, 
And yes, it's a shame Eugene didn't live to see it, but if he'd lived, I don't think we would have ever seen it. Agreed, yeah. Well, and and to that end, and I don't think it is being, I think it's got to be very obvious. I, I just looked, he, he passed away four days shy of three months ago. How quickly this came together. I, not that you pump the brakes on for optics, but to your point, how clear it was that this was dead set against it for by Eugene Melnick. There was just, you know, no, no chance it was going to happen. And now we're sitting here, and the, the joke going around social media was, so is Ottawa getting a rink before we're getting a rink? Like, the rink they're in now is newer than our <laughs> rink. How, how, we're oh, now, my God, that's we're get, true. We're getting lapped by teams with buildings. Yeah, it does It does kind of feel like this is a fait accompli in Ottawa. Let's put it that way. You see what the price tag is now, though, huh? That's, you know, we're kind of talking a billion dollars. Uh, one point one, I think, is the the number that's being floated. Well, and the, uh, the drawings like, have a big know, section every, tower on it too, right? More now, but yeah, it's um, yeah. Again, I guess we should see what the what this thing actually looks like when they when it, we're not just looking at you know uh, fantasy drawings of what the arena is going to be. But yeah. it's it'd be let's 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 see who's paying for it. Um, Do we know the, that where the money comes? It's a good. From. It's a good point you bring up. Do we know? Well, there, I think Capital District had something to do with the land, which is not a, a, a yes. provincial or city. It's kind of a, a weird thing that's only for the capital in Ottawa. But the, I, I heard Live Nations involved here. That's a third party, um, and, and that's what's happened here in Calgary. Is they've brought third parties to the table in, in city hall negotiations because the costs jumped like 150 million, and there was no end in sight. It's like okay, well. If we don't know what this is going to cost, and the Flames are in charge of all cost overruns, like I could see why it got halted. Yeah, well, that's I think the the way of the world right now in Canada, anyway, is going to be like you're not going. To, I don't think you're going to get. In, in this case, you're not going to get direct government. They're not going to pay for the building, um, or even pay a significant chunk of the building. I don't think they might pay for stuff around the building. Um, it is the National Capital Commission that owns the or controls the land, so that's a, that is as you said, is a separate entity. But the idea of bringing in, you know, bringing in entertainment companies who to develop entertainment complexes where you know the entertainment company gets most of the benefit out of that, by the way. But you know that that does seem to be the way of the world, even with older arenas. And you know, in in Hamilton, the the former Cops Coliseum, they've turned that over to somebody and said, "Run it." You know, you try and make money. <laughs> you know, and if you're going to improve it, you put the money in, but you you also give somebody the keys. And these there are, there are companies out there that you know like Live Nation, um, who are quite willing to come in and say, well, "Yeah, we'll we'll run your building and we'll book it and we'll as long as you give us the ability to develop stuff around it and you know spin off the real estate and you know spin off a kind of an entertainment district." So I think I think that is the you know whether that's a good business model for the public, it's probably better than the previous business model, which was how, how large a check would you like us to stroke? Or none at all in, in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. It's weird. Like, it's just if you're a certain market yeah. size, this is tough business to do. And others, it's like, yeah, we're not touching that. Private sector's got that. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, you know, Toronto, that, that Dome Stadium in Toronto was built entirely with public money. So, you know, sometimes there's a cautionary tale before you get to the, we're not going to put any public money into this. That, you know, that that, that Dome was what, and the, back in the day was... That's six hundred million dollars, I think, something like that. And it's over twenty million to Rogers. Today's, <laughs> it's twenty five. Well, twenty five million. Yes, it was. It was bought at a. It was a a, a distress sale. I believe <laughs> is the is the phrase. Deep discount. 
<laughs> Liquidation. Yeah. One time only. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Everything must go. So the Blue Jays go to Milwaukee. Have you spent much time in Milwaukee? Uh, back in the day, I have spent time in Milwaukee. Uh <laughs> I recall spending some time there, yes, uh, in the old baseball stadium when Bud Seelig owned the team. That's how long ago it was because he used to sure. come to the press box. There was, a, you know, there was, I, as I, my memory of the being there is I forget what year it was. Jays in a pennant race playing the Brewers who were out of it, who were also then in the American League. Uh, and nobody in the, in the, in the building, like uh, no fans to speak of. And Bud Seelig showing up to pester the local sports columnist about the about the green bay talking about the green bay packers like not talking about his baseball team at all just talking to this guy about the packers and sitting next to us in the press box that's my memory of milwaukee otherwise yes mediocre beer uh but lots of it uh you know it's kind of a second city like i you know as a guy from hamilton i i have a sympathy for places that are the, the second city it's just up the road from chicago it's an easy drive and it's completely overshadowed um and you know even the you know the Packers used to play games there. They don't play you know they're up the road in Green Bay now. But now they did win an NBA championship last year, mm-hmm. so there's yeah. not nothing there. And I th- and I think it's you know a little more lively than it once was. But they got a pretty good baseball team this year too. I was kind of surprised to see that where their record was as it because that's what we're seeing. The Jays are there this weekend for three games and that the uh, very similar records. I not yeah. was was kind of surprised to see that Milwaukee's doing as well as they are. Yeah, now they don't play in the American League East, so it's a little different equation for them. This is a big stretch coming up for for the Blues, isn't teams, it? Though, Holy, because, this homestand, man. Yeah, yeah, this homestand's brutal. It's like seven games in six days against Boston and Tampa, and uh, the 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 seven, the reasons there's a makeup from the uh, the delayed season. There's a, a double a scheduled doubleheader in there. It is, um, yeah, it's like look, nothing at this time of year is absolutely definitive. You know, it's not the season won't be made or broken next week. But if you look at, you know, Tampa's just completely riddled with injuries. They've had a horrible luck with injuries and they've been scuffling. And the Red Sox have been playing really well. And, you know, so those three teams, no one's catching the Yankees. I think we can we can say the Yankees have now disappeared beyond the horizon. Let's see what happens in October. But those three teams, now they all might be playoff teams. It's entirely possible all three of them will be. But it's, you know, for the Jays with a kind of they've they've got a depleted and not particularly effective bullpen right now. Uh they did have the off day yesterday, which won't hurt, but I think it's gonna be kind of a yeah, a bit of a measuring stick week for them. And then they go west. Then they go to I think Oakland and Seattle, who you know, yes. neither of which is a good team, but West Coast trips are always eh, a bit iffy. So yeah, heading towards the all star break. I think by the time we get to the all star break, you're gonna have a pretty a more clear picture and i would assume by the time we get to the all-star break the deals will start moving like wait we haven't there's been all you know this time of year they're almost it's not unusual that people the trades haven't started to happen yet because you know the the non-contenders have to decide they're actually non-contenders and then they have to assess the market and they're trying to obviously get the most value possible for the guys they're going to move but there's a you know, it's a creeping sense of desperation in Toronto right now around the Jays. You know, do something, please. You know, go get us, go get us three relief pitchers if you could. And uh, strangely enough, it takes two teams to make a deal, so you you do need a willing partner, and you don't want to get completely hoodwinked. You know, the other, the flip side of that is, you know, it's this is you're in the window, right? You're trying to win. This is a, this is not a developmental year, so I I would expect they are going to be aggressive in the market. 
and uh i i yeah as i say i think within the next 10 days things things are going to start happening now we'll see you know see what that is and we'll see what the the price they have to pay they, you know they did some really nice business around this time last year when they got adam simber and uh, trevor richards for not a whole lot mm-hmm. so you know maybe you know maybe maybe we're you know we're we're pretty close to that the at the letters boys, uh, Arden and Ben, were sort of noting that the super high leverage closer type guys that are on bad teams—that's the, the 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 guys that are typically held right to the deadline for max value. But the sort of yep. you know middle relief guys on bad teams that are up—that those are the sort of moves we start seeing sooner. Would that you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're they're right. Like I we were, we had we on our show we Rash was on with with us uh, last night. Who's on the road with the team, and he was very much and they have to do something right now they have to you know overpay if you have to but it, you have to understand what the, where the sellers are coming from and you know if you're sitting there with uh you know david robertson right who's a guy who's had a great yeah. long career but is, and is yeah and is having a great season he's kind of revitalized so if you've got him to sell how many buyers are there for him you know six seven you so it's an auction so you're not gonna. You're not just sitting there waiting for the first phone call and saying done. You're gonna play the market right to the wire because what do you you know you have everything to gain and nothing to lose, and and I think that's you know that's the case. And teams like, you know, a team like the Mariners are they a contend? Are they, do they still imagine themselves getting back into it? Because you know last year they got back into it. Um, would they? Are they sellers? Uh, you know, so there's teams that are on the cusp that probably haven't totally decided yet. And but if you're a, if you're by definition a non-contender and you have, you know, especially guys who are at the end of contracts, you're going to play this right down because you want to be sure, you know, that you got the most. This is a, it's a great opportunity. It's you know it's not a great thing, you know, if you're a fan of one of those teams, it's no fun because you're watching a losing team. But you want your team to extract value, and I don't think anybody's going to try and jump the market on the seller side. You know, the buyers are going to try and jump the market, but. You know, then it gets into are you know is are you willing to pay a price that a team that one of those teams can't turn down because that's gonna be that's gotta be a heck of a price you know I, like I, I say I give I give Ross Atkins a ton of credit for the you know, especially the Simber deal what that was that was Joe Panic wasn't it like that that Jeez. that was a that was a re, that was a really nice trade now you know giving up Rowdy Telez in the Richards deal Rowdy Telez has had a really nice year but he was kind of you know, now left-handed bat would have fit in Toronto, but you know they didn't really have anywhere to put him, so they gave up more value in that in the deal for Richards. But you know the Simber deal, they gave up, you know, a guy who shouldn't have been playing, and uh, you know not not much at all. I, th- that's not going to happen very often. Uh, so price is going to be steep, and you know, I know fans kind of hug prospects close to their chest now and say, "No, don't." We've been hearing about these guys. Don't give them up. But you're going to have to probably trade somebody we've heard like not somebody off the major league roster i don't think and you know the big deal down the road probably is going to be one of the three catchers gets traded but that's not going to happen now that's i'd be shocked if you could pull off that kind of a deal or you would want to pull off that kind of deal in midseason i think that's a winter deal like we're three weeks away from the uh the all-star break and i am all ready to get all aboard locomotive kirk the the alejandro train is pulled out of the station is that great if he was popular before he's going to be a superstar and like canadian icon moving forward they can't trade this guy please steven tell them no well i don't i know i don't think they can now i 
I think he, if they, you know, if that Jose Ramirez deal had been consummated, he was part of it. I'm pretty sure. And you know, you can kind of under, you know, Cleveland might've been like, would have been right. You know, if they, they were ready to, to, uh, to make him part of the package because of what he's turned into. You're right. He's a folk hero now. He's not just a ball player. And I know, look, I, I think on the, and again, I'm not, this isn't super insider information or anything, but it's just common sense. I know there's, they look at his body type. That's a euphemism, by the way. And they wonder, can this guy possibly hold up? That can you be built like him and play that position and do it for the next 10 years? And I think there's some question about that. And, you know, they went through that whole thing with Vladdy to, you know, get him to, to drop weight and to check out his, check his diet and all of those things. But the thing with this guy is, you know, built the way he is, he's playing really, really well. Like, you know, with Vladdy, at least you could look at him and say, you know, you're not playing as well as you could. You're not maxing out. But how can you say that about Alejandro Kirk? Like, he's maxing out. <laughs> you know, I don't think he can be better than that. And he's he's way better behind the plate than I think anybody thought he was. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he handles all the, the, you know, the data part of the game. He's reasonably good throwing to, to second base. He's nice and quiet behind the plate. Pitchers seem to like to throw to him. He's... And and yet, you know, Gabriel Moreno has shown up and looked shown like the, the the second coming of Pudge Rodriguez. And Danny Jansen's good too. So I don't know. Like it, it it's gonna be it'll be fascinating to see how they do it because you know, even though Jansen is an established big league catcher, and I think with and you see some of the offensive upside the last year and a half, which is what he was in the minors, a really good offensive player. The other two guys have more value than him. I I don't think there's any disputing that mm-hmm. right now, and obviously more years of control. So, yeah. you're going to trade Gabriel Moreno, your number one prospect, who looks like, you know, and who's, who's super athletic and you know runs the bases and does all kinds of stuff. You're going to trade All Star Alejandro Kirk, um, or are you going to trade Danny Jansen and probably get less return, and also and trade a guy who you really like and you know who's a great part of the team and who's a very very good major league catcher. Um, like it's it, in some ways it's a good problem to have because you know any of those guys is going to get you something, but I think I think it's kind of it's going to be a tricky moment for them. And he is this is Kirk dominating the fan voting. Yeah, it's not of course he is like ninety ninety percent of the vote. <laughs> and yeah, it's it, awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, Blue Jay fans his family fo- pack the vote, but uh, but yeah, he's running away. The with family it. photo's awesome. I, I think it's is uh, the family photo amazing. Yeah, because they the all Ben or Arden did the family deep dive, and there's two of his brothers yeah. playing in the Mexican league, and the tallest one is like towering over the others. He's five <laughs> ten. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're all, all the exact exactly. same fake expression yeah. on their face. I'll tell you the whole story of him because you know I think I've told you the first time I like every like everybody else the first time I saw him I think it was spring training 2019 I guess the normal last normal one before the pandemic and he was one of those guys that comes on at the end of the game and is wearing number 97 and you you know you're barely looking up at that point in a in a spring training game because all the regulars out and then just that sound of the ball coming off the bat and the, the line drives and say and then you look at him and say who 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 is that? You know, who is that guy who appears to be, you know, five foot two and and forty years old? And he's an amazing story. Thirty thousand dollar international signing. You know, the year it was the year after the Guerrero signing. They had almost no international money. They went to Tijuana to scout another guy, and this guy shows up, and they all they said the same thing. Said, you know, there's no way. You know, just look at him. 
and then he started hitting line drives. It's it's a fantastic story, and he's, you know, he seems like you know I know the language thing is a real barrier still, but if you read Arden's story, he seems like a lovely guy, right? He just he, he does it's it's a it's a it's a real fairy tale kind of story, and I can't wait for you know like I I don't give a damn about the All Star game, but I just want to see him introduced as the starting catcher for the American League. Hell I think that'll yeah. be one of the great moments in Jay's Hell history. Yeah. I want to see his family yes. at the All-Star game watching him. Yes. All the brothers. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. No, you, you got to you got to like it. You got to you got to love the story. You got to love him. It's uh and my god, like there's no sign. You know, the Chase have kind of had their ups and downs offensively this year and I know he had a little bit of a slow start, but it's it's not just that he hits. He, he has such good at-bats. He you know, he really he has he has fantastic at bats. If you know, if he could run just a little bit, he could be a leadoff hitter. Jeez. Well, and Arden noted that he's one of a very small number of players that has more walks than strikeouts this year. That guy's your yeah. catcher. He can DH for you anytime. I mean, the foot speed's something, but he's always putting the ball in play. Yeah, they're like this. It's he's it's a it's he's a throwback in that sense. And uh, I say whoever the guy was, you know, the scouts were at that game in Tijuana. You know, hats off. It uh, usually doesn't work this way. You know, Gabriel Moreno. He was a bit of a, you know, he's Venezuela. He was a little bit of a discovery as well. But, you know, most guys, you know, like everybody knew Vladdy Jr. was going to be good. Like that's that wasn't a shock. You know, just who who was going to give him the most money. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the fact that there are still – it's still possible in this world of Uber scouting and all the data and all of that that you could still – that a guy could still just show up and no one would know who he was and he could end up being an all-star. That's 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 a great thing about baseball. What are the weekend plans? Are you still by yourself? No. You by your lonesome out there? The Have dog? you been? Yeah, you and yeah. the dog. Me and the dog. Yeah, yeah. Me and the dog. Where the dog got me up at five twenty-two this morning. Oh. Um, it was very bright because I'm in a northern climb mm-hmm. here, and the dog decided it was morning. So Oof. we had a we had a discussion out in the backyard at five twenty-two about <laughs> whether that that was a good idea. Um, but otherwise, no. Otherwise, we're getting along quite well. Uh, my my lovely wife will be here next week, and. Uh, so the, that, but I will be, uh, I will have some assistance, but, uh, yeah, summer, I'm, I, I believe I will go fishing this weekend. I know that sounds startling, but that, yeah. that is my current plan. So is Stephen Brunt the kind of guy who the day before the wife shows up is scrambling around to clean the house up and get all the, all the empty chip bags and wrappers oh, he's, thrown out? He's too out. organized. It's probably all just the a, em- a light tidying. All he's the too empties. organized. Well, clink, 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 clink. Number one. Yeah. Number one, number one, yes. Uh, and number two, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, there is also a, a certain, cause, because whatever I do, I guarantee you something will be in the wrong place. Yeah. And something will be, you know, there'll, there'll be adjustments made. It won't, it, like, not, it, you know, it won't be a conflict, but it'll, I just know there's no point in trying to fully organize this part of my life because it's about to be reorganized anyway. So just, just be patient and wait and then. Do what you're told. That's I don't know what you're talking about. Steven. Secret of a long marriage. Yeah, it's <laughs> really foreign territory. What? Yeah, <laughs> you've been here by yourself for how long, and you you didn't get around to doing this? Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, what it, I hear you, pal. I hear you. Well, good luck with uh, the fishing uh, and the uh, the tidying. We'll talk again on Tuesday. All right. See you, boys. You betcha. There's Stephen Brunt out at his uh, beautiful summer home in Newfoundland with the pooch that needs to go. Hey, dogs got dogs got to go. Dogs got to go the dog's house you just live in it we'll break we'll come back the uh hour number two what two three of the program jammed full chip alexander 
Raleigh News and Observer. We'll talk Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, three you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. Mason Trafford with Cavalry FC. They've got Edmonton coming up. Always good talking to Mason. You know what they good don't guy. do against Edmonton? Lose. They ever. don't lose, yeah. They never. Yeah. Just, why would we lose when we could just take points off them all the time? And some what you want to talk about also on the way. But we break. Be right back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Guests of the program come on the hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. They are the 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. Every dollar you spend, you will earn points towards free pizza with that uh, rewards program we keep telling you about. She's awesome. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. On a Friday, game day in the Stanley Cup Final. Cup in the house. The hoose. As the Avs can put this thing to bed with a win over the Lightning tonight. That building has been so good all postseason. Tonight will be a new level, and that's hard to comprehend. Yeah. I I think it's been a great postseason for, for fan bases, and I think a big part of it is it's finally a normal year-ish, right? Like there was some empty and a little bit of no booze, no food, but for the first time in three years, fan bases have been able to go absolutely bonkers, and certainly not in all markets, but I just I can't think of bad buildings. It's been nails the whole way through. Yeah, but that one for sure. Just in talking to the odd people that we've had that have been covering that series, Sarah Valley's like it's Denver's been yeah wild. Apparently, the city's upside down, and yeah. you'd understand it. This has been building for a while, and there's a feel like this is the year. And why wouldn't you feel that way when they were flirting with the President's Trophy all year, and have had those runs that felt short? or shorter than they should be in the second round. A lot of things have fallen their way this year. They don't, there's no Vegas around. Mm-hmm. No Dallas. The last two teams Montreal. in the yeah. So if it happens tonight, because mm-hmm. you're away next week, but if it happens tonight, is Nathan McKinnon, is there any, is there any stink around him? And stink isn't the right word, but is there any thought that maybe he's, not the the captain that can win. He's not the captain, so that's or I, I guess the guy that can lead. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. The first overall, the the star of that team, because he has been outspoken the last few years, either right after they've been eliminated or at the p- end of the season presser. It was really raw stuff at the end of last year. Yeah, he said we haven't won bleep. Yeah, you could tell he was hot, and I and you, hearing from older. Teammates of his, you know, even Nikita Zadorov had some comments. There's been some guys that talk about, like, he's so intense and he wants to win so badly that I think earlier in his career it came off as, like, incredibly demanding and, like, grating a bit. Yeah. But he's matured. He's figured it out. And I think they got a crew that does want to work. And and I think when you have someone in your workplace that is driven so hard to be successful, if everyone gets on board, look out. He's that guy. I mean, he spent his offseason training with Sidney Crosby. And you can we, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but you can go online and find that article. It was Nikita Zurorov in a Russian publication talking about life as Nathan McKinnon, life being around Nathan McKinnon. As one of his teammates, yeah. Yeah, who is, as you say, extremely demanding. Intense dude. Yeah. In practice, during games, at the hotel, team, me- team meetings, team meals, you name it, he is, he's dialed in. And I... If, to me, I I think it's a great story because there was always kind of that that connection to Sidney Crosby. Well, he's also he's from that part of the world. He's going to go first overall. Is he Sid? Is he Sid the kid? 
a tough, that's a pretty high bar for a guy to come in. And it didn't happen for him right away. For some, for some players, they come in, they establish themselves as star NHLers. And, you know, you think Patrick Kane. There was never any doubt that Patrick Kane was going to be a star. Yep. But I think for McKinnon, there was a little bit of doubt for a while. And the, you look at the transformation that's happened. Maybe it's since he got his fitness, diet, life, all of those, those changes when he ratcheted those up. But I'm I'm happy for him if he gets a chance to to win this thing. Heck yeah. Well, and, and I think the Sid thing is a it's a nice story, but I think it's massive. Like how many players from have have come from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia? Like it's it's a tiny spot. It's not like growing up in Toronto and oh yeah, there are some guys we skate with every summer and they're all NHLers. Like his one role model of an NHLer might be the most dedicated, professional, hardest working, most polished guy there was and ever will be. Like Sydney does not have oh, a yeah. blemish. The only thing you can say about him is he, he he really didn't handle losing well early in his career and he's got three rings. It's probably part of it. Yeah. So if that's your only role model, it's like, man, if I just stay under this guy's wing or do what he does in the off season, yeah. I know I'm ahead of everyone else. The bar is so high to start with that I don't think his brethren of the same age he can relate to in a way. Like, how, why are you not working as hard as I am? Why are yeah. you going out the night before a game when you know we play tomorrow? Like, he's from the Sidney Crosby school. Not many. There's not many grads there. He might be the only one. Yeah. You go back. It was his fourth full season. He came in, had 63 points, 24 goals. Wow, right? And then plays another year. Okay, numbers go down a little bit. He doesn't play a full season. The next year, 21 goals. And then in the 16-17 season, 82 games, his second full season, 16 goals, 53 points. So I was like, is this... What's happening here? You're now four years in. So what what are you? The following year hits the 97-point plateau. And I think that was the year that he and Taylor Hall went head-to-head for the heart. It was kind of like a up-for-grabs year. And both those teams... We're vying for playoff spots late in the year, and if it wasn't that year, it was the next year. But it was, it was a, a big coming out party year for him. Ninety-seven points the next year, ninety-nine. Then he had ninety-three in sixty-nine games. The following year, sixty-five points in forty-eight games, and this year he missed time. Eighty-eight points in sixty-five games. So Just he has been ninety well above points, right? Per game. So it's, and I, I sort of thought that series against Calgary in twenty nineteen was a big moment. Because that was this core finally. Oh, they're here. That is does not look like a wild card team. That is not the look of an eight seed. And even this series, because there was, I guess what talk through the first three games, he had no goals, two assists, all kinds of shots on net, all kinds of time on ice, was all over the series, but didn't have the goals. He gets that one that goes off his skate the other night. His playoff numbers. 68 playoff games, 90 points. 40 goals in 68 playoff games. So even better in the postseason. It it just feels like it was a matter of time until this guy or a team with this guy on it was going to break through that round two thing. It's just another one of those how hard it is to win. Good teams lose. Good teams. There's just so many good teams now. This isn't the original six. It's not like everyone gets their turn. 
Like, how good has Vegas been the last five years? The only five years. Like, it's St. Louis managed to get one. Like, it's just, it's so hard and you need so much luck and you need some health. They've lost three games this postseason. They're 15 and three. And not much has gone against them. Grubauer leaves. Looks like it was probably the right choice based on how Grubauer has played since leaving. They lost Sam Girard in the year. You knew you weren't going to have him. I, I just mean in terms of like trading people away. They, they could have paid up. They could have said no to the money, to the extension for, uh, for Landis. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, dra- you drafted Miko Rand, and that, that's been... The trade for Burakovsky, it worked out. Trade for Kadri, worked out. For Chushkin, worked, worked out. out. The Duchesne one is the huge one because that's what there was no way they could win that deal, and they waited too long, and you've yeah. screwed it all up, and they de- destroyed everyone in the deal. They got the high pick, they got Gerard, they got out from Duchesne's money. Yeah, that was that was quite a quite a feat from Joe Sackick. It was the three way deal with Nashville and Ottawa. And they end up getting what a top five pick is that Byram is that how he shows up? They I think so. Yeah, that pick like wow. And he's playing twenty minutes a night as a twenty-one year old. And they've had a little bit of of, of uh, I guess adversity this postseason. We mentioned Sam Gerrard not available. Yeah, they lose their starter for a while. It doesn't matter. Francois goes six and zero. Cadre, that's a big absence from the Oilers series that doesn't show up until Game Four of the finals. That's a really important piece there. But they're deep as hell and they're skilled. And it's a it's a front office that continues to bet on skill. Rantanen, huge, huge win with a first round pick. Kale McCarr went fourth. They didn't have the first, the second, or third, and pulled Kale McCarr, who has got to be the odds on favorite to win the con Smythe if they win this thing. I think so. Yeah. No, you're right. I haven't thought about that. I was from the Tampa perspective, some names have been floated. But- yeah. Not that there haven't been good performances. Natushkin's been great, but like you said... Lanniskog scored a bunch early yeah, in games. But Makar's been on the ice all the time. Points. You name it. So he's, he's looking at the, the Duncan Keith hat trick. Well, yeah. I guess if you could go Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe, Norris, the only thing Keith had as well was a gold medal that year. 2010, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. That's something. Yeah. Wow. And when it comes... I just feel like for Tampa, this might be just too, they might be too banged up. It sure looks like they are. Because even guys that are in, because we Kucherov played last game, you know he's not, right? They could use a healthy Braden point, I'll tell Man. you that right now. And they don't have it. We'll be getting a lot of stuff will be starting to trickle in as the morning skates take place. And then some guys don't always skate in the morning and they'll play that night. But this this is the series for, for Tampa Bay. If there's anything Braden Point can do to play, you wonder if he goes back in. Even if it's eight minutes on a wing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh did you hear Patrick Maroon? He was uh, he had a big, big ha- rig. He had a big hat on yesterday, wearing a big a big chapeau with a feather in it. And was asked questions about I said, now you gotta go in, going into Denver. What uh, what do you have to um uh, I think just focus on a game. We have to go in a f- game right now. Sorry for my language. <laughs> But yeah, we just have, we have to go win a game. Right now, our focus is Game Five, and we have to go win. So much like with with our show, he must have felt very comfortable with the media because he just let uh, you know. It's a game. Like, Pardon for my French. Game right now. Got to go in. A f- Sorry about my French. Yeah. Sorry for my language. <laughs> I realize he's in Denver. No one knows French. Yeah. 
but they do. There's nothing. There's nothing left. Go and win. It's all you got. And like we talked about, Vasilevsky first star. Otherwise, I don't see it. Yeah, it's got to be all. That's the skill deficit. Text line also. uh, When Tampa loses, Corey Perry will be the only player to lose three consecutive Cup finals for three different teams. I thought Ty Conklin had one in there for three different teams in three consecutive years. Thought so, but because he was with Detroit, right? Detroit Edmonton. That have worked. I'm just going to his old, uh, the old, uh, the old uh, Twitter box hey, there, bud. Yeah. Hey, Ty, where you been? Conks. Oilers. Oh, six. Oh, five. Oh, six. No, no, that's not it. No. Damn it. Oh, seven. Somebody in Buffalo. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pittsburgh in 08. Detroit in 09. That's what it was. So it was three times in five years that he lost. In the yeah. Final. Ouch. I'm sure he's over it though. I'm sure that doesn't keep you up at night. I don't know anyone that's lost three cup finals. Just. We're over two, Dean. You're over. Just unnecessary. Talking about. He's not even here to defend himself. Uh, Hosa did, didn't he? Yeah. He, well, he lost back to back. Pittsburgh, Detroit. And then then one in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's get out here. We'll come back. Chip Alexander will talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Another one of those teams that needs to break through. Very good regular seasons, very good star players. What do they need now to get past round number two? We'll talk to Chip, Sportsnet 960, the fan.